Good morning. My name is Randall, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary, and it's my pleasure to welcome you uh, on this um, cold April day. I don't know about you, but this weather kind of caught me by surprise, and uh, yesterday was just um, an odd day, and so I'm looking forward to it being warm again, and I'm sure that you are as well. But we're glad you're here. If this is the place that you worship every week, then you're welcome uh, here. If you're new here and this is your very first time, we're glad you're here today. And we hope that you'll find this to be a, a place that you feel at home. This is the first Sunday of Easter. I'm so thankful that we get at Calvary to celebrate Easter for uh, a number of weeks. Easter is my favorite time of year, and Easter Day, I think, is just my favorite day of the whole year. And I love that day, and I'm so glad that we get to extend it, that we're not a church that just does Easter and then we get back into whatever, but that we actually keep celebrating, and we're doing that today. Because as our, one of our hymns today says, we're an Easter people. It says, Easter people, raise your voices. As you look at the worship today, you're going to see all kinds of raise, uh, raise your voices, rise up, get up, take up, all kinds of things that have an upward motion, which is uh, key for this time of year. So be on the lookout for that. And since we're talking about rise up, we're going to look at a new song for just a second here today. We're singing a brand new song for us that you just heard the band play. It's called Rise Up. We're going to look at that. So take your worship folder just a second and look on page two. And we're just going to look at this just a second. And I'll rise up. Okay. All right. So how many of you have heard this song before? Okay, good. That's great. So we've got a lot of leaders out there, right? All right. Let's sing it together. One, two, three, four. And I'll rise up. I'll rise like the day times again, and I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day, and I'll rise up, I'll rise to the train, and I'll rise up, to thousand times again, for you, for you. And then at that point, you're going to, just going to channel your Mariah Carey or something and sing the you-oo-oo's, and, and uh, if you're like me, you're going to pretend that you sound a lot better than you do. Um, all right, so when we get to the place in the service where we sing that song, you're going to jump in there on the chorus every time like we just did. Uh, you're going to sing the first part of that a couple of times, and then we'll eventually get to the second part. So just be ready for it. Also, one more surprise today is we have a new benediction. So we have a new version of Go in Peace that's quite a bit different than the one that you're used to. So um, have your um, seatbelt on ready for that when it gets time, okay? So several things different in worship today. Welcome to worship. Welcome to worship. Raise your voices, Easter people.
God, our Father, we have reveled in the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have celebrated, our hearts have been strengthened by this good news, and yet we are also weighed down. We are weighed down by a broken, suffering world, and by our own desperate attempts to accomplish and to acquire. We confess that our minds and hearts are too often found set on things of this world and not on those above. Transform our minds and our hearts this day, we pray, O oh God. Attune us to the kingdom of God already present in this world and help us to work with you to usher in the kingdom that is not yet here. May the joy of Christ's resurrection and the hope of his return spur us on to love and good deeds. May we practice resurrection for the sake of our souls, our neighbors, and our world. We ask this in the precious name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any of you want to come, be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, 
and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. A reading from the epistle to the Colossians. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of God. Praise be to God.
Jesus said to me 20 years ago and every day since, stand up, do not be afraid. Matthew 17, 7. I was tired, so very, very tired. My husband of 25 years was cheating, lying, defrauding, and I wanted to lay down. I was beaten up by hepatitis C, and I wanted to lay down. My father died, and I wanted to lay down. My brother died, and I wanted to lay down. Physically and emotionally exhausted, wandering from doctor to doctor, I was finally diagnosed with lupus, a chronic autoimmune disease. I wanted to lay down. Then cancer, breast cancer, and I really wanted to lay down. I had run my personal career marathon of doctorate, publications, promotions, accolades, full-time staff position, full-time faculty, then early medical retirement. I wanted to lay down, and I did lay down in a hospital surgery recovery room. Apparently, uh, post-cancer surgery in 2005, my physical body decided enough is enough. My blood pressure plummeted. I was rushed back into the operating theater. Tim says that I told my doctors I was being whisked down the hallway that I saw Jesus and I wanted to go back. But my doctor, Lauren Barron, many of you know her, responded with a real pithy statement. She said, no one is seeing Jesus on my watch. <laughs> I have no recollection of that exchange, but I do remember lying in the hospital bed, crushed by excruciating pain. I remember being so very, very tired, and uh, Tim's voice pleading with me from a distance. 
At the same time, though, I was being pulled by an overpowering attraction to lightness, to a blissful peace. As Tim's voice fades, one of my favorite sounds, the sounds of children's laughter and chatter increase. I smell gardenia, rose, honeysuckle, and pine. I'm standing before a garden gate, and over the rough-hewn stone wall I see, hear, and smell flowers, soft light, leaves unfurling, bursts of color on a rolling meadow floor. I am as light as a feather, every burden, every painful weight, gone. And I belong in this garden. All I want is to breathe deeply, to inhale, open my eyes, open my heart, and see, really see. It's the easiest thing I've ever done. And I let myself go. I let myself come undone in this brilliance. At the very moment of perfection, Jesus speaks. And he tells me, I still have work for you to do. You can't stay in heaven. My grandchildren need me. I must go back. The all-consuming desire to stay and rest in this garden pulls on me, but I know my time is not yet. Tim's voice is calling me back. I open my eyes to his sweet face awash with tears, but I can't see him completely because he's waving a picture of my oldest granddaughter right in my face. And he implores me and begs me to return. But I say to him, I don't want to. No, I want to go back. Today, I apologize to you that my penance words don't give this experience justice. Using words diminishes the hold this heavenly revelation has on me. But maybe... Sharing this truth story with you will help you, help you to stand up and not be afraid, to raise your eyes and only see Jesus. Yeah, I've tasted heaven. Each and every day, I live on the foundation of this Easter experience. I don't lean into Jesus' truths or lean into his teachings. I get up and I stand with him. I assuredly jump up with both feet, strengthened by his transforming, unconditional, being known kind of love. But I have a couple of questions for you this morning. Do you want to stand up with Jesus? Do you want to recognize him at heaven's gate? The choice is yours. And he says to you, stand up and do not be afraid. Raise your eyes and only see me. Broken down and tired living life on a merry-go-round you 
can fight the fighter. I see it in you, so we can walk it out. Ooh, mountains, we can walk it out.
Now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. Oh God, you are our rock, our redeemer, and our risen Lord. Amen. On Wednesday of this past week, the nation remembered Maya Angelou, who would have celebrated her 90th birthday on April 4th. Angelou was born in 1928. She was sexually assaulted at the age of seven and stopped talking to anyone for the next five years. But she didn't stay quiet much longer. During that time, she discovered a love of books and poetry and the written word, all of which ultimately helped her to rediscover her voice. In her early years, she became a mother, San Francisco's first African-American female streetcar conductor, and a performer who toured all over Europe. She would go on to become a journalist, a writer, and a director. In an interview just a few years ago, Maya spoke in detail about her 40th birthday on April 4th, 1968. She said, I remember it like it was yesterday. I spent the day in my New York City apartment making all of my favorite dishes, Texas chili with no beans, baked ham, candied yams, and a pineapple upside down cake, all in preparation for a big party she was having that night. Later that day, her friend Dolly arrived looking absolutely grief-stricken. She shared the news that their friend, Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot in Memphis. He was dead. Life stopped for me for a few days when Martin died, Angelo said. It was just terrible. I could not believe that this great dreamer, this person who dared to love everybody, could be killed before he could realize that dream. For years, Angelo did not celebrate her birthday anymore because it was such a painful reminder of King's death. In fact, she and Coretta Scott King would meet, call, or send each other flowers every April 4th for the next 30 years. But again, Angelo didn't stay down for long. She went on to publish her first memoir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, the very year after King's death, making history as the first nonfiction bestseller by an African-American woman. She would go on to write 36 books in her lifetime, and she became one of the most prominent civil rights activists of her generation. This week, on her birthday, and on the 50th anniversary of King's death, Google featured a recording of Maya Angelou's famous poem on its homepage, entitled, Still I Rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Do you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air I'll rise. 
Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of a slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Like Maya Angelou, Easter people don't stay down for long. We rise, as today's text reminds us. You may be thinking that last week was Easter, and it's true, we are probably dressed a bit more casually than some of us were dressed last week. Some of our special instruments are gone, and we don't have the cross with all the beautiful flowers. Strangely enough, the temperature has dropped about 30 degrees from last week. But the reality is that Easter is not over. Easter is not only a day, it is actually a 50-day season in the church year that celebrates the resurrection. And so as my friend Griff Martin, who's the pastor of First Baptist Austin, wrote this week, if the resurrection celebration feels over and your life seems to be the same as always, well then you're not doing Easter right. Christ is still risen and this still changes everything. Now, given that it's the second week of Easter, you may think it's strange that I'm actually not preaching on one of our traditional resurrection passages today, although we will get to those in the weeks to come. In fact, today's story about Peter rebuking Jesus is actually one we touched on during Lent, but I have a good reason for bringing it back today, so don't worry. When Jesus predicts his death in Matthew 16, 21, at the beginning of today's passage, Peter takes him aside and begins to tell him that this is crazy. It cannot and will not happen, according to Peter. It's one of those moments when Peter just has to insert himself into the situation because he thinks he knows it all, even though he really has no idea what he's talking about. How many of us have been there before? And Jesus has some pretty serious words for Peter in this moment when he says to him, Get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't know about you all, but if Jesus had said these words to me, I would have wanted to climb in a hole and not come out for a while again. Jesus calls him out on his bluff, and it was probably humiliating and infuriating to Peter. At the beginning of Matthew 17, it's been six days since this incident happened. And Jesus tells Peter, James, and John that they are going on a trip up the mountain. And I can't help but wonder what Peter must be feeling as they are making their way up the mountain. I wonder if he is replaying this scene over and over again in his head, wishing he had said something different or wishing he just hadn't said anything at all. Like the email we sent too quickly or the words we know we shouldn't have said the moment they slipped off of our tongues. I wonder if he's nervous about what this trip means. Why did Jesus pick him to go up the mountain? What is he going to say or do? But whatever it is that Peter is thinking, I am pretty certain that he is not expecting what happens next. They get to the top of the mountain, and Jesus changes right before their eyes. Sunlight pours from Jesus' face, and all of a sudden his clothes are dazzling white. 
The Christian tradition has a name for this event, the transfiguration, as if giving it a name can help us to make sense of it. But just like last week, this is a story in our scripture that we cannot fully comprehend. Jesus is sparkling and glowing on top of a mountain. And the disciples look up to him, and then they realize that Moses and Elijah are standing right there with him. It's an incredible moment. It's an odd moment, and we're really not sure what to do with it. And yet here, for a second time, Peter bounces back into the scene like a know-it-all and says, this is so great. It is so cool for all of y'all to be here together. Maybe we should build shelters or memorials for you all. Jesus, we could put yours right here. Moses, yours could go here. And Elijah's over there. And then mid-sentence, amidst Peter's elaborate plans, this giant cloud sweeps down and surrounds them. And this deep voice calls out, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's as if the voice of God swoops down and interrupts Peter just to get him to be quiet for once and to pay attention. Now when they hear this thundering voice, suddenly Peter, James, and John are face down on the ground, all of them scared to death. But then Jesus comes over to them, and this time he doesn't rebuke Peter. Instead, he touches them and says these powerful words, get up and do not be afraid. His exact words are actually be raised, which interestingly enough are the same words used later in Matthew's gospel when the angel describes what has happened at the scene of the empty tomb and says, he is not here, he has been raised. And because of that, some scholars actually say that today's text is a displaced resurrection story. As Pastor Steve Pankey at Christ Episcopal Church writes, In the depth of his despair, after nearly a week of anxiety and stress and dis-ease, there on the mountaintop, Peter was still talking faster than he could think. But it was precisely in that moment that Jesus gave Peter his own moment of resurrection. You see, last week was Jesus's resurrection story. This week is ours. And so the question I'd like for us to ask ourselves today and each week of this Easter season is, what does this text mean for us as Easter people? What insight does this story bring us as we are seeking to live as Easter people? Perhaps it means that Jesus notices us when we're down. Jesus notices us when we're afraid, when the fear just seems debilitating, when we're humiliated over something that happened, or when we're anxious about what might happen next. In the moments when we're blabbering like we know it all, when in reality we have no idea what we're talking about, in those moments usually there's something going on beneath the surface. And Jesus notices that too. Jesus notices when we just want to lay down, when we don't want to get out of bed in the morning, or the days when we don't think we can, when we're afraid to apply for the new job or to go to the new school, when we're afraid to put ourselves out there with someone, afraid to show up in the world, moments when we are right on the threshold but scared to walk in the door. 
Jesus notices us in these moments, yet he doesn't let us stay there for long. Because we follow a God who meets us in these spaces without judgment or shame, but then says to us, get up and do not be afraid. You know, whenever we invite people to respond to the call to follow Jesus here in worship, there is always an invitation to physically get up out of our seats. At Calvary, we invite people to get up and to walk to the back of the sanctuary to give ourselves a bit more space and privacy for that moment. But at my church growing up, and I would imagine at many of your churches, we had to walk to the very front of the sanctuary to meet with the pastor as the whole church was watching us. And I'll often tell people who are thinking about making this step in their faith journey just how terrified I was about this moment. The very first week I got up out of my seat and then I sat right back down. <laughs> the next week I got up and I even took a step forward and then I went back. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that it took me three or four weeks to muster up the courage to get up and to go all the way to the front of the sanctuary. But Jesus doesn't let us stay glued to our seats for long because he says to us, get up and do not be afraid. And I believe he gives us the courage and the stamina to get up too. On March 25th, 1965, Martin Luther King delivered what was known as one of his most electrifying speeches in Montgomery, Alabama, at the end of the march to Selma, from Selma. The speech was the culmination of one of the civil rights movement's most brutal but critical campaigns. Three civil rights activists were killed and others were brutally beaten and met with tear gas at the Edmund Pettus Bridge that month. This march was actually their third attempt and this time they finally made it the 50 miles from Selma to Montgomery. And the success of this march led to the passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act just months later. In his speech, which actually took place on the steps of the Alabama State Capitol in Montgomery, a city that was known as the cradle of the Confederacy, King said the following words, they told us we wouldn't get here. And there were those who said that we would get here only over their dead bodies. But all the world today knows that we are here. And we are standing before the forces of power in the state of Alabama saying we ain't going to let nobody turn us around. And so I come to you to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because truth crushed to earth will rise again. That's the thing about Easter people. We will fall. We will be knocked down. It's a given. But as Brene Brown says in her book, Rising Strong, there is no greater threat to the critics and cynics and fear mongers than those of us who are willing to fall because we have learned how to rise. And if we want to be people who rise up 
in the ways that Jesus calls us, I think we have a lot to learn from our brothers and sisters like Martin Luther King Jr. and Maya Angelou and from anyone who keeps getting knocked down over and over and over again and yet embodies the words of Jesus saying, get up and do not be afraid. So what does it look like for us to embody these words? Maybe getting up for you means showing up in this world in a way you never have before. Maybe it means following Christ in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it means getting up early out of bed on Tuesday morning and meeting us at West Avenue Elementary School to give high fives to all the kids and teachers and staff as they begin star testing this week. Maybe it means coming on our mission trip to South Texas this summer. Maybe it means being brave enough to get out of a situation you know you shouldn't be in. Maybe it means having the courage to ask for help. Maybe it means waking up to some of the things that are going on in our community and in our state and in our world and asking God, how can I, how can we make a difference? Maybe it means physically getting up out of your seat today to tell someone that you're ready to begin this journey of following Jesus. Only you can answer the question of what does it mean for you to get up. But the call is there for you and for me and for any and all of us who are seeking to live as Easter people. It's time to get up, Calvary. Do not be afraid. Do not abandon yourselves to despair because we are the Easter people and Alleluia is our song. And so God, I ask that you would give us the courage and the gumption to get up. Help us to know what that means for us. Help us to know what that means for Calvary. For many of us, that might be taking one step closer to following you. And maybe that means being able and being willing to follow you into hard places, into places where we don't want to go. God, as Easter people, we know that we will fall. We know that in this world we will have trouble but we can take heart because you have overcome the world and you are the God who meets us in our fallen places, reaches out a hand and says, get up and do not be afraid. And so as Easter people, may we go and do likewise, God. Help us to get up. We need you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today as we are talking about this continuation of the Easter season and this good news that Jesus defeated death and raised all of us up to new life. Not only that we would have life, but have it abundantly. And maybe today you are ready to get up and to say, I want to be an Easter person too. And there's no better day than to do that but today. And maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary where we seek to know and to follow Jesus together. Where hand in hand we get up together because we know it's not a journey we can do on our own. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you are in a space where you are trying to get up every way possible and you 
you just need prayer and you need to know that God is with you in that moment. We would love to pray with you today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary ready to greet you and to receive you as we continue in worship.
profit to gain the whole world and forfeit our life? What will we give in return for our life? With all humility, let us come to the table of Christ, trusting not in worldly gain, but in God's sustaining grace and unending love. With all eagerness, let us come to the table of Christ, setting our mind not on human things, but on divine things. With all haste, let us come to the table of Christ, claiming our gift of faith and readying our ears to listen so that we may hear his voice for ourselves. With all expectation, let us come to the table of Christ, looking for Christ to reveal himself that we may get up and stand up without fear. Radiant God, you are there in shining glory overcoming death and welcoming us to new life. You meet us in the breaking of bread. You pour out the cup of salvation. You feed us with grace and overwhelm us with your love. We pray that you would make us attentive and open to you, that experiencing your presence and hearing your truth, we may live faithful lives without fear. In Christ's name, amen. On the night before Christ died, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it saying this is my body broken for you take eat do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood as often as you drink it do this in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May this meal inspire and strengthen us to love Christ, each other, and this world until Christ comes again. Let us come to the table of Christ.
Calvary, it is my joy to introduce you to the Pardon family today. This is Melissa and Rick Pardon, and their children. Okay, now we're out of work. We've got Lydia, Ethan, and Jacob. Jacob wearing a jacket with the J's. Awesome. We are, we're so glad to, to welcome you into the Calvary family today. Uh, this is such a neat family. So Melissa is a hospice chaplain, and Rick is an engineer at L3, and then together their family owns the Maker's Edge that's it's on 18th, right? And it's a space for artists, woodworkers, metal workers, anybody with a creative project to come work on in the community, which I think is so cool. Ethan is a sophomore at China Spring. Lydia is a senior at China Spring and just found out she will be attending Baylor in the fall. And Jacob is a recent graduate of China Spring. Um, when I asked them, what are you all passionate about? How can I introduce you to the church? I love what they said. They said, we embrace our nerdiness. I'm like, welcome to Calvary. Uh, they are a DIY, do-it-yourself kind of family. I said, what does that mean? They said, well, we built our house. I was like, well, that's really cool. Um, passionate about arts and worship and lots of things that we have going on here at Calvary. So, Pardon family, we are excited to welcome you. And we have some words that we would like to share with you today. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. I'm going to invite you all to have a seat for just a moment, and then we can walk out together during the benediction. I know many of you will want to greet the Pardon family on your way out today. Many people call this Sunday a low Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, but that is not the case for us at Calvary. Uh, we have lots going on this weekend and this coming week. I want to say a big thanks to everyone who helped in the frigid cold at the community yard sale yesterday. It was, it was a beautiful day together, even if the weather was crazy. So thank you for being part of that. We have another group meeting tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. at West Avenue. If you want to help chalk the sidewalks at West Avenue, or if you want to make an encouraging poster, uh, we will be meeting there tomorrow at 6.30 as they are beginning their star testing this week. And then bright and early at 7 a.m. on Tuesday, we are going to be there to greet them as they come into school to give high fives to all the students, faculty, and staff. They always enjoy that, and we always enjoy getting to be a part of that. Another thing we have coming up is Calvary Night Live on Saturday night. At what time? Six o'clock. We'd love for you to be here for that. I'm pretty sure they're going to be making fun of my sermons, so that'll be great. <laughs> um, and then Sunday is our ministry conference at the Dewey Park Rec Center at six o'clock. Come hear some exciting news about how we are hoping to journey on as Calvary in the days ahead. And then lastly, as we leave today, our deacons will be taking up the Samaritans Fund that goes toward emergent needs in our congregation and in our surrounding community. I can tell you that that fund is used often and it's used well, and so we appreciate your generous gifts to that. Well, lots going on, lots to be excited about because he is risen. He is risen Would you stand and join me in this benediction? Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. 
and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.